0: Paul is giving correction. Paul is giving instruction. We saw last week he gave instruction on the place of women in worship and reminded the church that even though men and women are one in Christ Jesus, they still have different roles to play when they come to worship God. Tonight, we look at this text, verse 17 to the end of the chapter. And children, this text might sound a little bit familiar to you. Because this is the text that we use when we read the form for coming to the Lord's table. The form in the back of the praise book quotes 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we hear those words again and again. Now, there's something nice about preaching a sermon on a text that is very familiar, but there's also something challenging about that, because sometimes, sometimes, our understanding of what the text says maybe isn't exactly what is in the text. We saw some of that last week. A text that appeared to be about one thing was actually about something else. There's a little bit of that going on in this second half of chapter 11 talking about the importance of examining ourselves before coming to the table of the Lord. Historically, liturgically, that has been really the heart of this text, doing a careful self-examination before we come to the table of the Lord. And to be sure, we should do a self-examination before coming to the table of the Lord. I'm just not absolutely convinced that's really Paul's point in this text. That the point Paul wants to get across is you need to examine yourself before coming to the table. Because there were problems going on in Corinth related to them coming to the table. But Paul is actually dealing with a deeper issue. Not just difficulties at the table, but those difficulties were a manifestation of a lack of love within the body of Christ. And I believe that's what Paul wants to get across to them, is as you come to the table of the Lord, this should be a manifestation of your love for each other. But instead, it's become a point of contention. So we're going to look at this text this evening, Paul's encouragement to the church to to avoid the divisions within them, to avoid the lack of unity, and to gather together as a body, as the body of Christ, when they come to the table of the Lord. What was going on in Corinth? Verse 17. In the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. So they were going to gather together for the Lord's Supper, but it wasn't for their benefit, Paul says. It's actually making things worse among you. Verse 18, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. Now we looked a number of weeks, I guess almost months ago now, when Paul talked earlier about divisions in the church. Some say, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Christ. Those are not the divisions he's talking about here. The divisions he's talking about here that are manifesting themselves in the church are divisions, social, economic divisions that were in the world now manifesting themselves as they come to the table of the Lord. Go on to verse 20. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. He says you're doing it so badly you can't even call it the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What was the practice for the Lord's Supper in the early church? The Lord's Supper was often held in the context of a broader meal, sometimes referred to as the love feast. There was this feast that would go on, and in that context, they would celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Now, those feasts were not held in the fellowship hall of church. Those feasts were held in someone's home. Well, imagine if we were going to try to do that, to host the church in our home. We would certainly uh, set the dining room up and have the dining room table set with uh, as many people as we could get there. But for most of us, we would end up on the back patio. There's just simply not enough room to host everyone and have them come together to the table of the Lord. What was happening in the church at Corinth is that those who were the rich in society, those who were the upper class in society, were being sat at the dining room table, and the rest were being shoved off to the back porch. And the rich at the dining room table got the good food so much so that those in the back maybe didn't even get anything. And that is the type of division that was manifesting itself in the church, a worldly division based on social economic conditions. And Paul says those type of divisions, there should not be in the church. That's why he says in verse 20, when you come together, it's not even the Lord's Supper anymore. The Lord's Supper speaks to our unity. The Lord's Supper speaks to our oneness. The Lord's Supper speaks about how we have all been welcomed to the table of the Lord. You've made it a place for divisions. Divisions at the table. And so that's the, the, the condition, the problem, that Paul is addressing in this part of the letter. He's going to correct them by reminding them of the true nature Of the supper verse 23 for I receive from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me Paul reminds them the supper is about Christ It is done in remembrance of him. They had made the supper a statement about who they were. If they were rich enough, if they were high class enough, they could sit in the dining room, but the rest were outside on the back porch. The supper became about them. And Paul says, no. No, the supper is not about you. The supper is about Jesus Christ and what He has done. And what is it He has done? Jesus Christ, who was the eternal Son of God, remaining co-equal with God, humbled Himself and came down to earth. The Lord Jesus humbled Himself, although He had all the riches of eternity, humbled Himself and gave up His life for you. reminds in the table, it's not about who you are. The table is about who Christ is and what he has done. We'd have to reflect on that ourselves when we come to the table of the Lord. It is not for us a statement about how great we are. We're reminded that we come at Christ's invitation. We're invited to come and in remembrance of him Dine with our brothers and sisters in the presence of God. He says, verse 25, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The cup is the new covenant. Covenant language. Covenant speaks of a relationship. That these people were chosen by God. Brought into a relationship with him. And therefore, into a relationship with each other. We saw last week that some were taking the, uh, the thought of, uh, of the words of Galatians 3:28, "There's no longer rich or poor or slave or free." And they were saying, well, there's no distinctions at all in the church anymore. Uh, the, the, the address tonight, they failed to recognize the oneness in Christ, that they were all one in the Lord. And all were there at his invitation, not because of who they were. And so he says in verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim Christ. You don't proclaim yourself. A reminder of, of what the supper is really about. He goes on to give them a correction, what they should be doing, verse 27. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Whoever eats in an unworthy manner. Now, this phrase has been taken historically in the church, in Reformed churches, Not not to speak about eating or drinking in an unworthy manner, but being an unworthy person. As if this was a warning that you need to be worthy to come to the table of the Lord. And historically, that has been an understanding of this text. It warns us, unless we are worthy, unless we are holy, Unless we are righteous in ourselves, we should not come to the table. I recall one of the churches that I served, a a couple joined us who came from a church that held that position. You had to be worthy to come to the table. And then they came to our church and we explained to them that they were welcome to the table of the Lord. They were welcome to come, not because of a worthiness in them, but they were welcome there because of what Christ had done for them. And it, it was as if, as if their eyes were open and they could come and celebrate now. The table wasn't for somebody else. So when I say when it talks about eating in an unworthy manner, it's not an unworthy person. If that was the case, none of us could come. If we had to be worthy in ourselves, righteous in ourselves, good enough in ourselves to come to the table, none of us would be there. No, he says, be careful you don't come in an unworthy manner. To avoid that, he says, verse 28, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We are to examine ourselves to come to the table. What is the nature of that self-examination? Again, historically, that's been taken in a very individualistic way. You need to examine yourself with regard to your own sin to see if you can come to the table. But I would suggest that Paul's concern with regard to the examination is not so much an individualistic application, but examining our relationship to the body of Christ. He goes on in verse 29. He says, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. What does it mean to discern the body? Uh, We're not going to talk about all the exegesis of this particular verse, although I do think this verse is the heart of this section of the chapter. What does it mean to discern the body? There has been a, a, a thought that this is referring to the bread, which is a Picture of the body of Christ. You need to be able to know what the bread is and how it points to the finished work of Christ. But the context Paul is dealing with is not understanding what the bread is. The context Paul is dealing with is recognizing your place in the body of Christ, which is the church. Recognizing we belong together as a people of God. Discerning this body and our place in this body. Yes, we are in this body because we do recognize Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. We recognize he gave up his life for us. But what Paul is warning about here is thinking of yourself too highly. Thinking, I'm above the body. I deserve to be at the dining room table. And not caring about what happens to the rest. That's, that's Paul's warning, his corrective in First Corinthians chapter 11, being aware of our place within the body of Christ. because he speaks the, uses that language earlier, back in chapter 10, verse 17, "Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body." For we all partake of the one bread. There's one bread, and we as the church, as the body of Christ, partake of that body. Not a reference simply to the element of bread, but a reference to belonging to the body of Christ. The necessity of being within that body. Recognizing our need to belong. Belong to Christ, to be sure, but those who belong to Christ... Also, belong to his body and desire to be a part of that body. Paul says, Yes, we must be very, very careful not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. The supper's not about us, it's about Christ and what he has done for us. How he came and gave his life up for his own, and how he continues to call out, to put our faith and our hope and our trust in him. The supper calls out to us, Look what Christ has done and your need to be a part of the body of Christ to come and partake of this glorious meal. And it was so important. It was so important. Paul says in verse 30, That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. There was judgment upon the body because they failed to properly discern the body and their place in the body. It was not that, that they... Uh, they would simply examine themselves individually, but am I actively engaged as a part of the body of Christ? Do I care about the church? Do I care about others around me? He says that's what happens. When we do things that way, when we come together, it's not for the worse, but it will be for the better. There will be blessings that result when we wait for each other. Verse 33, So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let them eat at home. So when you come together, it will not be for judgment. Yes, they could have a meal in their own homes ahead of time if they wanted. That was fine. He's not saying don't enjoy the things God's given to you. But when you come together as a body, recognize you're a part of that body. Be willing to take a lesser place. Don't think that you need to be the one at the dining room table. Consider others better than yourself. Care about them more than you care about getting what you want. Because that's exactly what Christ did. He cared more about about following his Father's will. He cared more about, about our salvation than his rights He was willing to give up his life. He humbled himself even unto death. And that must be the character of those within Christ's body. Recognizing others as better than ourselves. Giving up our place for their sake. He says, go ahead and eat at home. He doesn't level all distinctions. When you come together, we don't use those, those worldly social economic categories to make distinctions within the body. We belong together. Now, I don't think, I don't think that this is something that is raising its ugly head in our church. But we must always be careful, always be reminded. Uh, Pride is so close to us and so easy to rise in our hearts. To think that, you know, we really, we really kind of deserve to be here. When we come to the table, we really kind of deserve to come because look at what we've done. Look how active we are. We've examined ourselves and we've done a whole bunch of stuff for the Lord. No, that that examination is a reminder that we belong. We belong to a body and anything we do is simply loving service. It's the opportunity that God gives us. The church becomes the context then for us to show our love for Christ and our love for others. He calls us to to live in harmony, in unity with each other, not not forgetting the distinctions we have. We do come from different social, economic backgrounds. That's okay, he says. That's not trying to level the playing field in all ways. But those aren't the distinctions we make in church. When we come together, we recognize each of us. Each of us is here only because of the grace of God. None of us deserves it. None of us have earned it. None of us have a position in the world that gives us a particular position in the church. No, we are here only because of what Christ has done for us. But we share in common, we share a condemnation in our sin. We share a need for salvation. And we share the assurance that that has been accomplished by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God calls us tonight to recognize in the church we all stand in need. If you are visiting with us this evening, if you've been visiting for some time, if you're thinking about joining this church and you think, you know what, I just just don't have the right credentials to be a part of that body. I'm I'm not enough of something to be a part of that body. Nothing could be farther from the truth. We are all here by the grace of God. And God calls us continually, reminds us continually to discern that the body is those who have received God's grace. We are not here because of a standing that we have in society. We are here because God is merciful. God is gracious and he is compassionate. And because of that, we desire to serve him and to serve his body. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do thank you for your holy word. A word that does give us instruction, a word that has been used historically, liturgically in our worship, and help us always, Lord God, to be clear as we look at your text, the text you've given to us, to be careful in our study, to learn the truths you've given to us there. We praise you. We thank you for calling us into this body of Christ, not because of who we are, not because of anything in ourselves, not because of our standing in the community. We confess we are fallen sinners in need of a Savior. And you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to be that Savior. Oh, Lord God, may that give us joy. May that give us a desire to gather together with your people, to be active members of the body, and to serve those in the body around us, to discern that this is a body brought together by you, to be used by you for your glory. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to